When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Oh, good day. Thanks for pulling on the sweatband with me this Wednesday morning. Are you afraid of the Brisbane Olympics? Either going ahead or not going ahead. 13 13 736 I'm asking this question in the wake of yesterday's brutal, embarrassing decision by Victoria to axe, to can, to scrap the Commonwealth Games in 2026. Uh, we spent a lot of the show talking about it yesterday because it dropped. Uh, it was just on 24 hours ago. But now all eyes and all pressure are on us. In fact, within an hour of that announcement, people were looking north. People were looking to Queensland. Why? Well, it's pretty simple because the next big event that is, I guess, in the same realm uh, as the Commonwealth Games is the Olympics. But we know they are completely different beasts. Still, 2032, the money that's being outlaid for what is, in the words of Daniel Andrews, just a two-week sporting event, how is this man premier? Fair dinkum. Anyway, um, it is more than that. We know that. Do they need to go ahead the head in 2032? Hell yes, they need to happen here. And I'll let you know my thoughts on that in a moment. But but what's yours? Do, do you think we need to take a breath? Do you need to do you think they need to stop, have a look at the books, and go, oh, really? Seven billion? And that's the funding that's been promised. Is that going to be the cost? Mm. Or do we go, we need it, we plow on? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. This is your backyard. This is your home, your city, your money, taxpayers' money being put into this. You have a fair say. You should. What do you say? Uh, it is the still the biggest talking point on what is a massive day of sport. We've got the Ashes bombshell from Old Trafford, the venue where Warney bowled the ball of the century. And we're now not taking a spinner into tonight's fourth test. Holy smokes. No Todd Murphy. But we do have Cam Green and Mitch Marsh, two all-rounders. Is it the right call? Or have we spun ourselves into a web? We'll dissect that as the morning goes on. Um, About an hour away from Manchester, you find Liverpool on the coast. The British Open at Royal Liverpool. Cam Smith has declared he is a better golfer now than this time last year. It's a big call. And I reckon we'd have many of his competitors, many of the field of the British Open, shaking in their boots. I'm better than I was last year when I won this thing. You'll hear from the man behind Cam Smith getting better, becoming the golfer he is today. That's his coach, Grant Field. We'll have a chat to him ahead of tomorrow's tee-off. And after 10, the Origin Oracle, the 13th Immortal, Mal Meninga. So much to talk about with Mal. I know he wants to get into the timing of State of Origin. There needs to be a discussion around it. We'll get his thoughts after 10. Also, 
How important is this weekend's round? Round 21. Now we've got clear air after State of Origin. The Origin Stars are back. Oh, Friday night, the Souths and Broncos blockbuster on the sunny coast. That is going to be huge. Um, speaking of huge, Big Tino and Dave Fafita. Their contract's tied to a coach. I'm struggling to find any other time that that has happened in the NRL. Uh, AFL, it may have happened, but that doesn't happen because we know the coaches can go on a whim. Uh, Mal Meninga's thoughts on that after 10. Any questions for Mal? Shoot them through either via text or the open line. Uh, we'll put you on with him after 10 o'clock today. The numbers are the same. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Uh, but first, the Commonwealth Games bombshell. So this... This decision by the Victorian government, by Dan Andrews, is a blight on our country, is a blight on sport in Australia, and is an embarrassment to the rest of the world. It's just such an indictment on sport in Australia. And the fact that anyone down there south of the border would believe anything that comes out of this guy's mouth is an indictment on them as well. The last Commonwealth Games hosted here in Australia in 2018 on the Gold Coast was done for $1.5 billion. So anybody that believes Dan Andrews when he says this is blown out to $6 billion, possibly $7 billion, is absolutely <laughs> kidding themselves. Yeah, that was the missile. James Magnuson, former athlete, someone who swam at the Commonwealth Games in 2018, someone who's been to three of them. He was speaking this morning uh, with Vossi on SEN in Sydney, their breakfast show. He, he summed it up succinctly. He pretty much said what I said yesterday. It is an embarrassment. This is a black eye for not only Victoria, you know, they can run their own race. But on the international stage, this is a black eye for Australian sport. It's embarrassing and it's dented our international standing. This was headline news in the UK. The BBC, ITN, all running about how Australia has shirked it, has canned it, has turned its back on the Commonwealth Games, leaving athletes in limbo, leaving people's jobs in limbo, leaving projects in limbo. Less than a 1,000 days out. And you know what? We've got this black eye on the eve of the biggest sporting event that we've hosted since the Sydney Olympics, and that's the Women's Soccer World Cup kicking off tomorrow. So what's the knock-on effect here? As I said, everyone started looking at us. Everyone started to turn their attention on Southeast Queensland in 2032. Are you worried that the Olympics and Paralympic Games won't go ahead? Or are you worried that they will go ahead? $7 billion in funding has been slated to this already. $7 billion. It's a hell of a lot of money. Your money. But I'm okay with it. 13, 13, 55. Should the Olympics go ahead? Hell yes, they should. If you're a regular to this program, you know my position. There is nothing like an Olympics to get stuff done. Investment, innovation, infrastructure, all needed. All needed for a population that's exploding in the southeast corner and now all have a hard deadline. This road, that rail line, accommodation, refit, whatever it is. They can't be kicked down the road by politicians. The blame game can't be played about, oh, it was the previous government or it's going to be this government. We're going to change it. No, no. There's nothing to bick about here because there is a hard deadline. There's a line in the sand. There's a date. They've all got to be finished by. The budgets need to be done. It needs to be funded properly. 
They need to roll the sleeves up and get cracking. This city's population is exploding, and there are benefits to it. It's, it's not a bad thing that we're exploding in population, but we need to make sure we are ready for it. The knock-on effects of an Olympics are huge. The opportunities, the jobs, the community improvement, the boost to the economy. Tick, 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 tick. Any idea, and I've asked you this before, but any idea how much will be brought into the economy? How much money the games are going to bring? $10 billion? Let's just throw some round numbers out there. $12 billion? $15 billion? I could keep going. 10, 12, 15. Do we have any raise on that? No. $17.5 billion. That's almost a 150% return on investment for the $7 billion invested. We just heard what happened with the Commonwealth Games. $1.5 billion invested, a return, $2.5. It was a money spinner. The boost to the economy. The pillars of our economy here in Queensland outside of resources, which are huge. I mean, mining, what we're digging out of the ground, it's keeping us going. But tourism is huge. Innovation is huge. Infrastructure is huge. Construction. All pillars of our economy. This will put Brisbane on the map. Queensland's already there. We know the tropics. We know the Great Barrier Reef. It's there. But this is putting Brisbane on the map. It's worth it. If the economy's healthy, so should your back pocket. So should your back pocket be. The infrastructure, as I said, gets rebuilt. The modernisation of the roads, urban renewal, innovation, investment, infrastructure. Remember Expo 88? The Olympics will be this generation's Expo 88. We've got a green and gold runway ahead of us for the next decade. Decisions made by government, decisions made by business, decisions made by banks, they will all centre around the games. It's going to be split between Canberra and George Street. We know this. So it's your money, it's your taxes, your stamp duties, your petrol excises, everything like that. It's all going towards staging the biggest cultural expo and entertainment on the globe. And it's going to be in our backyard. That is so cool, right? Legacy pieces. That's the big kicker for me. And I'm going to give you a prime example, something you can touch. I mean, we can talk infrastructure, innovation, and all these great big buzzwords and opportunities, but what's something we can lay our eyes on or pull our hands on or actually see, taste, feel, touch? Well, I'll give it to you. 1982, the Commonwealth Games, 40 years ago, or 41 years ago, I was eight. How old were you? Do you remember? Matilda? Leaving Tassie off the map? It was brilliant. The Commonwealth Games, it helped wake us up. It did put Brisbane on the map. Expo was the big kicker, but the Commonwealth Games. And what was the centrepiece of the Commonwealth Games? QE2 Stadium. It would later be named ANZ Stadium when the Broncos called it home. It is now called CUSAC. It is the home of the Queensland Academy of Sport. 40 years ago that was built. And it is still being used today. It's hosted State of Origin. It's hosted athletics, Goodwill Games, GPS track and field. The AFL have trained there. The QAS call it home. The Matildas are training there right now in the lead up to the Women's World Cup. The Raw have trained there. So have the Socceroos. The Broncos, they spend the best part of a decade there as their home. They've played Tri-Nations finals. They've played Super League finals. All at QE2 Stadium. 40 years on. That's a legacy piece right there. Not bad, is it, for four decades? Generations have been through that. Maybe your kids and grandkids have been there. I know mine have. Well, kids, not grandkids, yeah, but 
That was built in 1982. Quick snapshot. Brisbane's population had just crept over a million in the southeast corner back in 1982. We now sit at more than two and a half million in the southeast corner. But I'm going to put to you, what's been built since QE2 Stadium? Nothing. Not a thing. Pat Rafter Arena, sure, yeah, but that's tennis-centric. That's built for one one purpose only. Nissan Arena, yeah, it's netball and basketball. But that's it. I know they've had boxing there, and I know they've had other indoor sports, taekwondo and and the like, but it's pretty much a single sport, court-centric. QE2 Stadium, multi-purpose, still used today. That is a legacy piece. So what is going to be our legacy piece from 2032? Don't say the Gabba, because that was already here in 1982. So was Lang Park, or now Suncorp Stadium. They already exist. What is our legacy piece going to be after the Olympics in 2032. Tally me, Green. Yeah. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. I'm going to put it out there. It does already exist, but not how we know it. The Ecker. The Ecker needs to be the home of the Brisbane Lions and cricket during the Gabba redevelopment. That will be our legacy piece. Don't you agree? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736. I wasn't convinced it should be the Ecker until recently, but there's something very basic that clinched it for me. More basic than Brisbane teams needing to play in Brisbane. You and I, we have spoken at length about that. Teams representing this city need to be playing in this city. I know they're talking about Carrara, Heritage Bank Stadium, as being the home for maybe the – come on, it's the Gold Coast. It's Carrara. We remember the days of the Bad News Bears. Do we travel down there? Do you travel down there when Big Bash has played, when the Heat play there? We don't. Stats show that we don't. You might be there on holidays during summer, but making the trek down to Carrara, Heritage Bank Stadium, Metricon, whatever you want to call it, it's just not viable. It's just not viable for four years when the Gabba gets redeveloped for a Brisbane team not to be playing in Brisbane. The Brisbane Roar will be a testament and are a testament to that. They've shriveled on the vine for a number of reasons. But the fact that they were training in Logan or on the Gold Coast and playing in Redcliffe and not calling Brisbane home, that has been a big factor towards it. So, yeah, Brisbane teams need to play in Brisbane. So that leaves us two venues, two possible venues. QSAC, which I've just spoken about, QE2 Stadium, or, or the Echo. And I reckon it's got to be the Echo. I know cricket will be played at Allen Borderfield. There, it already is with Shield and WBBL, and they will probably take some big bash games there. I know they'll head north as well. They're, they're, they're big into the regions, and that's great. It's great for regional Queensland that cricket will go there. But are you going to play a test match in regional Queensland? No, you're not. So that's got to be another factor of where things are going to go. Do you play a test match at Carrara when the Gabba gets redeveloped? I don't think so. So as I said, it leaves Cusack and the Echo. Cusack's already built. It would need an upgrade. And you know what? It would probably hold more people than, well, actually, it would hold more people than anything. Do you remember when the Broncos played there? I was there the night. There was 59,000 against St. George and the lights went out. Uh, when was that? 90, that would have been 92. Yeah, 1992, maybe 93. Anyway, 59,000 when they had the temporary seatings there. That holds more than the Gabba. 
that actually will hold more than the Gabba when it's redeveloped. So 50,000 plus, it's got a nice ring to it, hasn't it? But here's the kicker for me and here's the clincher. How do you get the 50,000 there? Yeah, exactly. How do you get 50,000 people to a venue with no train station? Not within Cooey. Buses there, one thing, but oh, geez, Kessels Road, Mains Road, come on. It's a nightmare. That's the clincher for me, and that's why it's got to be the Echo. I know it's not built yet. I know there's not even an, art, an artist mock impression. And, and, and how many would it hold? Ooh, I don't know. Well, Carrara holds 22,500. I reckon the sweet spot would be about eighteen to 20,000. You could attract test cricket to that. You could. And remember, there's the nice romantic notion that is where Don Bradman made his test debut. But the real practicality of why it's got to be the Ecker is the forgotten piece of the Cross River Rail. The exhibition station, it is going to be part of the main train line. I know we've got a Gabba station, we've got Bogger Road, we've got the new ones in the city, but the exhibition station is going to unlock that precinct. You've got King Street, you've got the areas moving into the valley, you're in a city, you're right there in the hub, and that's what we need. We need that area unlocked, and it's going to be unlocked with the Cross River Rail. Getting you there is the biggest part of a stadium being successful. And tenants wanting to be there. Would you want a, an insipid, half-full stadium that might have, you know, 12,000, 10,000? That looks terrible on TV. I'd rather have a stadium that's chockers. Uh, premium tickets that are sought after. Sure, the prices might be a bit higher, but you know what? Hanging from the rafters, a vibe and a buzz. That's exactly what the Ecker would have. And it would be used all year round. Think of those green spaces around the Ecker that could be unlocked. Uh, the food vans, the food trucks coming in there. It, it'd be a great precinct. And that's what we see in modern day sport precincts. Another plus, it's a smaller crowd, sure, but that would increase demand. And the tenants could put perhaps a higher premium on tickets. So it's not good for you and I as fans, but it's another upside to it. Cost, where are we going to pay for all this? Yeah, that's a kicker too, isn't it? Well, remember, there's already $2 billion allocated for projects outside of the Gabba and outside of Brisbane Live, which is the Roma Street precinct. So it's already committed to upgrade existing venues. And now that's got to stretch across a number of venues around the southeast, but a fair chunk of it is already committed. They just don't know where yet. So I think it's why it's got to be the Echo. Don't you? 13, 13, 55. It's a legacy piece that will be there, not only for the 40 years that the QE2 has serviced us and for the next 40 years going on, but the Echo, the RNA, it will be there for the next 100 plus. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Are you on board with me, the Ecker? Should that be our legacy piece come Brisbane 2032? 9.22 on a Wednesday morning. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. So come on, Tell you what, they won't be doing much entertaining down in Victoria, will they, after cancelling the Commonwealth Games, giving us an international black eye in the sporting world. It is an embarrassment. 
not only for Victoria, but for Australia as well. The world is talking about this, but we have a chance to redeem ourselves with the Women's Soccer World Cup and also in 20. 20- 32 with the Olympic and Paralympic Games. I'll get onto that in just a moment. I've got I've got City Hall on standby because I, I want to get their take on this and why the ECA could be and should be our show, uh, not our showpiece, but at least our legacy piece when it comes to the games. I, I want to leave you with this though and, and, and plant a seed because I'll be talking to Mal Meninga after 10 o'clock on the origin timing. It's something he thinks the game needs to discuss. We'll get his thoughts on this. But I heard a caller to Matthew White's show on Monday around State of Origin. For years and years, I think the, the NRL's just gouged money out of this series at the players' expense. We've had horrendous injuries. It ruins the middle part of the season. Just have one game after the grand final, and then they're going to have three months to get over the terrible injuries they suffer. That would fix the problem. So just one game. One game, yeah. If they want three to gouge more money, I suppose that's okay. But after the grand final, then they've got two or three months to uh, to recover from uh, the injuries mm. they get. Look, look what's happened this year. Pravojevic, Cleary, Brent Kite in the past. There's horrendous injuries uh, with this thing. And, you know, they, they just... Uh, to, to try and get the players like Luttrell to get better over during the, the season, it's terrible. They can do that over the summer. Well, I think it ruins the middle part of the season. It gets, the whole middle part of the season gets ruined for five or six weeks. Look, if they want three games, have them after like a test series happens at the end of the season. And then yeah. whatever happens, the, the middle, middle part of the season's fine. And then the injuries, they can get better over summer. So if they want to do that, then do that. A call a grant with Matty White on Monday. What do you think, Origin at the end of the year? And just one game? No, surely not. What does he have a point? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, Mal Meninga's take on that after 10 o'clock. Any questions for Mal? Fire them through. The digits are the same. All right. Legacy pieces as far as the Olympic Games are concerned. And also, more importantly, in the short term or the interim, or probably the first bridge we have to cross is where are the Lions going to play? And where is cricket going to play while the Gabba gets redeveloped from 2026 or the end of 25, really, after the Ashes series here at the Gabba? I want to bring in the Deputy Lord Mayor, Krista Adams, here, City Hall. They'll have a big say in this as well. Uh, Krista, very good morning to you. Good morning, Ben, and welcome to the sporting capital of the nation. (laughs) (laughs) It is too, isn't it? I spoke about this last week when Brisbane is ranked 15th in the world as far as cities and sporting strategy and sporting capital. We're definitely the sporting capital of Australia now after Melbourne shot themselves in the foot yesterday, but even on those international rankings, we're right there. Krista, I I want to ask you, the Eka, and I'm throwing that out this morning as probably the place that the Lions, uh, cricket, uh, need to play, should play, being in Brisbane. Is there an appetite at City Hall for it to be redeveloped? Look, absolutely. Um, I'm a strong believer, and I know the Lord Mayor is too, that the Brisbane Lions and the Brisbane Heat, hear their names, Brisbane Lions and Brisbane Heat, need to play in Brisbane. And there is an enormous opportunity to make the RNA a real asset for our region. Um, for residents, for visitors, for sport, for live music, and of course, your annual pilgrimage to the Eka, which I love. Yeah. Um, all of that. It would be fantastic. I argued the case uh, at the top of the show that we, we still use QE2 Stadium, known as QSAC now. That, that was the legacy piece from the Commonwealth Games back in 1982. Since then, in, in our city, even in our city, which now boasts a population of two and a half million, back then it was just over a million, what has been built since? 
there, there hasn't been a multi-purpose stadium built since and, we, and to service the next 40 years. I think the Eckers in prime position to do that, but there's a few logistics and a few things we need to jump through. Crystal, what are we, have we done numbers? I mean, how many are we talking could fit in the Ecker? What, what type of capacity would it be? Look, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think off the top of my head, it is to the ten to 15,000, which would be fine for, you know, not the ashes, but obviously the games in between. And, you know, there's nothing like a little bit of FOMO. If people feel like they're going to miss out, they're going to get those tickets and get in early. But the ease of getting there, the fact that it's going to have two metro stations there nearby at Hurston and the Royal Women's Hospital and then a Cross River Rail station permanently there at Bowen Hills as well, it it just makes total sense to spend some money um, upgrading that for all of those other reasons I've just mentioned, as well as keeping the Lions and the Heat in their hometown. I know there would have been discussions around this. Have there been figures thrown? I know the Premier threw out $80 million for a redevelopment. I think, I think we all know that that's not going to buy you much and it's not going to redevelop much. When, when you look at $35 million, say almost half of that, has been spent on the Gabba in the last couple of years and, and you really can't see much for that. I mean, a lot has been done, but physically you can't see much. So $80 million doesn't get you too far. Have there been numbers, have there been case studies crunched to figure out how much it may cost? Look, all of that business case is being done at the moment. But what we need to remember about the RNA is that there's some very significant state heritage buildings that yeah. can't be touched. So like we've got the, the stuff that we love about the Ecker and the beautiful stand. But Machinery Hill round that end, up towards um, some of those much older and not heritage listed sites, that's where we'd see the main difference. So I'm not sure about the numbers, but they're definitely being crunched at the moment. And I know that we're talking with the RNA, with cricket, with the Lions. Um, everybody's talking about it, uh, trying to figure out what it would actually look like. And the reality is, it does need an upgrade anyway because we're holding the equestrian events there. So this is not money just for this period of time. There's money being spent on the RNA anyway for the Olympics, for the equestrian um, events. So let's just get it done early. That's a fantastic legacy piece. You've, you reminded me about that. That's right. Equestrian earmarked for, for the uh, 2032 Games. So, yeah, it will be an Olympic cool. venue. So that's part of the, the funding that's already been promised through federal, state. Well, what about City Council? Exactly. This Is City Hall going to have some skin in the game here? Is there going to be ratepayers' uh, money committed to this? I'm okay with that happening because of what it could provide for the city. Well, look, it is definitely something that we're looking at the moment. As I said, um, Brisbane City Council, or Brisbane City Hall, is very keen to keep the lines in the heat at the RNA, but the business case is being done at the moment, and I think that needs to go forward to the state government and then come to us too so we can actually check that it is the right numbers and those numbers are the best outcome for our ratepayers. Krista, you are preaching to the converted here as far as a sports-loving audience, but also a sports-loving audience. When they're talking to their family friends who, who may not have and be on the same wavelength, what other beneficiary, what other opportunities are there if the ECA is redeveloped to, I don't know, unlock precincts for business, for, for just the economy in general around the city and that Bowen Hills inner city area? Well, that's exactly right, and that's why the Council of Mayors and why the Lord Mayor and I are so determined to make sure that the stage of Brisbane is ready for the Olympics, because what it does do is 
it regenerates that next round of urban renewal that we saw after uh, after the 82 Commonwealth Games and especially after Expo 88. Mm. So King Street, they've done very well up there at Bowen Hills to put all the infrastructure, but it is struggling at the moment. We've got a Gold City glider on the table now that would run through that precinct. Having a, uh, a venue like an upgrade to the RNA makes King Street the next Caxton Street, and that brings and drives dollars into the city. We're looking at $30 billion worth of economic benefit from the FIFA Women's World Cup. I mean, that is no small amount. This is the biggest sporting event since the 1982 um, Commonwealth Games in Brisbane. The next couple of months is going to be enormous. And we've got to really leverage that in the next few years. Going to be absolutely huge. Uh, Krista, one final one to you. When you sit down with the Lions, when you sit down with cricket and have these conversations, they've all got their own vested interests. They've all got their home bases, Allen Border Field, Springfield for the Lions. How are those conversations going? Because I'm tipping they would like to, well, we can do it in our backyard. We can do it in our backyard. We've already got something. How do you break down those barriers? Every... Every sporting club, whether it's your local rugby club to your bowls club, all wants their own digs. That is something that we deal with every day in council. And we understand that. Everybody loves having their own space. What I think the clubs need to remember, and in particular the Heat and the Lions, as a Brisbane club, the members are the ones that, 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 that count. They're the ones that they vote with their feet. And I think there's going to be a lot more Lions and Brisbane Heat members that are more happy to go to the RNA than head out to Springfield. And they don't want to lose that passion that they've just built up over so many years for four years hiatus out of the city. So I think they've got to think about the membership and recognise that the RNA works for people that are ticket holders. Everyday mums and dads that want to take the kids to the games and have easy access and easy transport. And that's what we're explaining to them. Keep it in close. Keep your membership up because that's what's important into the future. Yeah, it's a good sell. Appreciate your time. Krista Adams, the Deputy Lord Mayor of this great city of ours here in Brisbane, the Echo. You've just heard some of the reasons why it should be. I've had my opinion. You've heard what the decision makers are facing right now. they still got to crunch the numbers. Um, I hope they do that soon because 2025, 26. It's not that far away. We're halfway through 23 now. So we've got the best part of, I'm going to say just over two years before the Dean brothers, will it be the Dean brothers, come in and start knocking down the Gabba. It'll happen after the next Ashes series here in Australia. And if we stick true to tradition, it should be the first test at the Gabba. So what's that, November 25? So by Christmas, the Gabba starts to get pulled down. And that's when they'll need new homes. They can't think about it in 2025. They need to think about it now, make the decision now, put the planning in place. 13, 13, 55, 0467-736-736, this Wednesday morning. Get involved anytime. Text 0467-736-736 or call 13-13-55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Uh, and what a morning it's been so far. Four minutes past 10. Thanks for your company. 18 degrees, sun out today too. A bit different to yesterday. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. If you've got a question for Mel Meninga, now is the time to bring it through. Uh, we will put it to our origin oracle, the 13th Immortal, very shortly. Uh, text, let me plough through these because plenty of you having your say. Uh, Michael on the text line, 0467 736 736. Uh, ben, what about Brighton Homes Arena? 
at Springfield for the Lions to play at. Michael, I know that's something that the Lions are very keen on, but um, I've got a couple of issues with this. Maybe personal ones, maybe you share them as well. The capacity at Brighton Homes Arena as it stands now is not great and it would not be able to field AFL season fully week in and week out. Yes, they could do some improvements, uh, some temporary stands. And when I say temporary, it's got to be there for the best part of, what, four years? What's the capacity there? I I can't see it being more than 10 to 12. Now, I still think the sweet spot at the Ecker could be that 15 to 18. We just heard from the Deputy Lord Mayor before. She was talking about maybe that 10 to 15. Oh, I think if they're going to spend the money, let, let's get it up to at least a 15 to 18,000-seat stadium. And that way you can take Carrara out of the equation. Because a couple of things you've got to tick off. You've got to have a Brisbane team playing in Brisbane. Technically, Ipswich, yeah, Springfield is an Ipswich. But that is possibly semantics. How are you going to get there? Yes, yeah, Springfield train station is right there. But it's the end of the line and it's a long way out. At least with the air car and the exhibition station, you're going to be having trains looping through there on the new Cross River Rail. So exiting and uh, getting there to and from is going to be a lot sweeter. So Springfield, I I think, has some hurdles as far as an AFL standard week-in, week-out stadium. You've got to remember the Lions are sitting at, what, 45,000 members now, knocking on the door of 50? Where are all the members going to be sitting? So each week you are going to have members that miss out and a fair chunk of them if you're going to a stadium that small. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. On the cricket, leaving out a spinner, says Matt, my question would be if Nathan Lyon was fit, would he be playing? 100% he would, Matt. 100% he would. Uh, Pat Cummins has discussed this and has said, well, Nathan Lyon is the GOAT. He's the greatest off spinner that we've ever had. So, yes, he would be playing. Todd Murphy's fantastic, but he's not in the late Nathan Lyon realm. Uh, he does go on to mention in his media conference today, and I'll bring you some of that as the morning wears on, that there has been a time and test matches where Nathan Lyon hasn't bowled a ball. And he talks about the Ashes in Hobart last, what was that, two summers ago now. Nathan Lyon didn't bowl a ball down there, didn't bowl an over. So there is precedent. He did play, but he didn't bowl. So there's precedent of using this uh, and going down this path uh, on uh, on a different occasions with not playing a spinner, or at least, although not having one on the side. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Seven minutes past 10. Let's tap into our Origin Oracle. Uh, Mal, very good morning to you all. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Heading for great savings every day. The origin dust is just settling now. We're a week after sealing the series, or we've sealed it already, lifting the shield. Um, how did you How did you find it? How do you feel even though we lost that last game, Mal? We couldn't get yeah. the clean sweep. <laughs> oh, I'm still feeling very satisfied as a Queenslander, obviously. You know, So, um, yeah, we did know at least three weeks ago, that we've um, got the series all sewn up again for 2023. Um, yeah, a little bit disappointing, obviously, to finish the way we did, but I know how difficult it is, Ben, to go 3-0. And the game, game's history tells you that, doesn't it? You know, so it is difficult. Um, you know, even like I mentioned, you know, through my reign as, as coach and even as a player, yeah, um, 
you know, we, we got ourselves into situations, I think about eight times we did uh, throughout, throughout its history and only done it, you know, four times. So it is difficult. It is difficult. But congratulations to Benny. I'm oh, sorry, sorry to Billy <laughs> and, uh, and all the team. Um, you know, that was a fantastic series and, you yeah, know, well done. It was indeed. Now, we, we, we played a caller that came through on, uh, well, through this time slot, through Matty uh, White's show on, uh, on Monday. And uh, Grant suggested, he said, state of origin. It's got to be a once-off at the end of the year. That way you take away the impact on clubs and players getting injured like we've, we've seen. Turbo is, is going to be out for a, um, an extended period because of uh, origin series. One-off, no. End of the year, really? I don't think so. Mel, where do you sit on the timing of state of origin? Oh, well, I'm an advocate of, you know, through the season, obviously, you know, but we still have to find a solution, I reckon, Ben, you know. So for me, um, I'm in agreement with, with Wayne, you know, because I sat with Wayne. We did that end of season um, after COVID, obviously, you know, with Origin Series and the three weeks in a row did work. Um, the only thing against the end of the year is there was a couple of things. Obviously, we've got players who finish the season, the bottom eight teams, um, you know, about eight, you know, at, at the end of August or beginning of September. So they've got about four or five weeks. They've got to sit out. Um, then obviously progressively as the series, uh, final series goes, you know, you've got players sitting out. So they're out of out of um, playing um, form, you know, for a number of weeks. Um, and then obviously, you know, there's the international program too, which I'm a big advocate of. Obviously, you know, I'm still a national coach. So I, I kind of agree with, with Wayne about the middle of the year, you know, where it isn't just week on and week on week on week, three games. In reality, you probably only miss two games uh, with your club um, if the preparation, you get the preparation right. Um, but I think it's a bigger dis- bigger discussion in the game itself with all stakeholders. I believe that the whole season needs to have a look at, be looked at. Um, when you when you look at the length of the, the, the competition now, you say you started, you know, you've got pre-seasons through February, um, we start in the season at the beginning of March this year. We don't finish it till you know the beginning of October. Then we got an international series off the back of a World Cup last year. So the players are playing a fair bit of footy. So we just got to have a look at how you schedule all these different elements that the game wants. You know, pre-season competition, the domestic in-season competition. Uh, in the middle of that's got a state of origin. Then there's an international uh, focus at the back end of the year as well. So we've got to look at you know maybe, maybe trying to how we minimise, you know, player workload and amount of games they play through, you know, the period that they they've got to, you know, through the winter months. I guess that's what rugby league is. It's a it's a winter sport. Well, let's start that discussion, Mel. I mean, do we do we pay, we can't pay back the season? We've got buys now, haven't we? With seventeen teams, or do we play less games during the season? Well, that's well. Again, it's it's discussion with the all the stakeholders, and then you obviously got to have a discussion with the broadcasters and mm. and what's their agreements, you know. They'll so have, they'll have a fair say. Yeah, yeah, they have a fair say, obviously, you know. So, you know, through the month of Feb, we're playing, you know, two uh, trials, and we take that to the bush, which is fantastic, which is great for the game. Uh, we've got the All Stars game, which is great. We've got the, um, you know, the World Club game as well. So. Um, you know, is that too many? You know, what are we doing there? So do we only need one trial match as an example? You know, they had a, they made a bit of a, a competition out of it at the beginning of this year, which worked really well. They had uh, St. Helens come over, didn't they? You know, and, and to play the World Club, but also played part of the uh, the preseason. Then we got 27 rounds, you know, three buys. 
So the game's getting long. The season's getting longer, not shorter. And then we're expected to play Origin in the middle of it, and then we've got an international program at the back end of it. You know, so um, what's the priority? Well, the priority is obviously the domestic season, the NRL season, isn't it? You know, so we look at, you know, do we need as many games to to kick off the year? Um, so we look at probably reducing that. That's that's my feeling on it. And then obviously the domestic season, because there is some contracts obviously in place broadcaster wise. You look at you know, keep it the same, but then bringing that, that window where Origin is into three consecutive games, which means you only miss two club games, really, through the middle of the year. And there's got to be some sort of compensation back to clubs, I believe, for losing those players, whether that's in the form of some monetary compensation or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I don't think injury is, a, is an issue. You know, I know that, you know, f- fans might think, uh, that because if you get injured in Origin, you miss, you know, you you're missing club games. But you know, there's a risk of if you just keep on playing club games, you're going to get injured. Uh, and then obviously, you know, there's the it's the end of the end of the season within a national program. So you want to try to still have an international program, um, but try to minimise that as much as we possibly can because you know, with the players' association, the way the players work at the moment, they've mm. got to have six to eight weeks off at the back end of the year. So it's a, it's about you know having a an all of all a game discussion around how we can actually reduce the workload of the players but still have these elements to the season that is, that you know makes our game so exciting mel I, I love the fact that in the middle of the season uh, when origin is on we get to see names and we get to see players that we don't normally see we, we we've had legends ball out of this like the baby broncos coming through we, we saw yeah. we've seen over the years uh, players that have just come on the scene with with nothing to lose because they know they're holding and minding a spot but they get a taste of first grade and they blow people out of the water. There, there is a romance to this. There's a theatre to this. I, I love that an understrength team can come in and perhaps topple uh, 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 one of the top flight teams with, with a bunch of no names. It, it's what our sporting folklore is built on. So I love that side of things. The practicality of it may not be there. I, I, I think three matches in the middle of the season, yes. Do we play them on consecutive weeks? And build I in, agree. That's and, what I mean. Yeah. So, so say three, three Sundays, three Saturday, three Friday nights in a, in a row, and then but you have to build in other stuff around those three. I weeks. think you keep. I think you keep the comp going. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. You know. So, like, like I said, if you have three weeks in a row, realistically, um, you play the you play the week before the first Origin. Obviously, you come into camp for that week. You maybe play it on a Sunday. You mm. go Sunday to Sunday. Um, and then you, you realistically only miss two two games in the middle of all that, and then after the third game you, you come into back into club footy, you know. So you, so realist, you know, realistically you you you're out for two weeks from your club. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so that's that's probably the fairest way. Um, it's it's been heightened this year, Ben, because they've, we've lost, you know. Um, Tommy Tavojevic obviously through it all, which is he's an important part to the Manly Club. Um, you've got young Tommy Gilbert, you know, Wayne's obviously yeah. with the Redcliffe Club. You've got Jai Arrow with the South Club, who have been obviously vocal in this point as well, you know. So um, Latrell obviously got hurt at training with through Origin. So, 
Yeah, they've been, email, they've been affected not, by it all. Yeah. This has been happening for 42 years. That's what I'm saying. Well, exactly. And so that can happen in a club game as well. Just because they're playing well, Origin, exactly. it doesn't mean that that exactly. was, it wasn't going to happen and, and couldn't happen as well. So that's no. – um, yeah. Hey, well, um, with that three-week window – sorry, I'll just yeah. finish off. With the three, that three-week window, we did that in October in 2020. And the team the team stayed together. Um, mm. We were able to build the team over, over those three games – um, you know, we didn't get we didn't get too many we didn't get too many injuries. A lot of bumps and bruises because Origin is a is a beast. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think it worked, and then we just keep the season going. But I think that three week window, you can prepare the team and get it going. You know, game one's a bit difficult, but if you keep consistency of of um, the you know, the the, uh, the squad yep. and with the coaching staff, you develop and it becomes a pretty interesting series, I reckon. Yeah, and, and you know what? There's a lot of the buyers are condensed around that period as well. So you'll still have games each and every day, and then you might have, bring in uh, the well, Pacific Nations yeah, exactly. rep, you know, rep team. You might be Tonga, Samoa, or, uh, New Zealand. And, oh, and, no, you, and just keep, no, you just keep the cop going, Ben. You just keep the cop going, you know. So uh, you'll have buyers anyway. Yeah. So you, you still you still got a, a major game, which is orange. You just got to fill in Thursday, Friday, Saturday. With um you, with your domestic competition really seventeen minutes and then, past and then yeah sorry no I keep cutting you off Mel where are my manners <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was, I was on a bit of a roll there now oh, I forgot no. what I'm going to say you, you keep going you just get do your ads go away no man. no well, well okay <laughs> it pays the bills doesn't it all thanks to Kemba's warehouse you get half price off Sonova's <laughs> vitamins Mel you know that it yes, excludes the absolutely. bulk sizes exactly hey Mel do it every day mate Ray has phoned in he's been patiently waiting he he's got a point to bring up Ray morning you're on the air with Mel. Morning, gentlemen. How are you? Morning, Ray. Well, I'm well, thanks. Hey, uh, that's good now. Sorry about Ben dropping the ball on you there and cutting <laughs> you off all the time. It's a bit rude, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Cal, you listen um, to him. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you've got a good team, you don't tinker it. But if Channel 9 has the second most watched program in Australia behind the coronation, why would they even consider it? Tinkering with origin. No, yeah, I, I agree with that too. You know, so. Oh well, you don't. I think it's um, the clubs are obviously coming out and and uh, having an opinion around around where Origin sits at the moment. Obviously, you know, because you know they they're the ones obviously that pays the players the dollars uh, that they earn on a on you know on a week to week basis. So, I just think it's been heightened this year, Ray, because of Tommy Turbo. You know, um, Latrell obviously missing a lot of the South Rabbitohs games with you know, Jai Arrow, mm-hmm. Tommy Gilbert. You know, Wayne's come out and talked about the the, the three weeks in a row um, because obviously the Redcliffe Dolphins have been affected by it as well. So I think it's it's just been heightened because of that. And I just think um, the conversation has to happen though because you know with the players' workload when they're playing so many games in the year and they're not having off the back of World Cup too, I just think you know we we probably could have done that a lot better. Off the back of World Cup, what you do at the at the beginning of the year and what you do at the end of the year is really important. 
I'm leading and letting you go, Mal. I was just taking a breath there and to make sure I wasn't <laughs> going to cut you off. I wasn't right. going to cut you off. Bef- right, I mean, right, before right. before we do run out of time, before we do run out of time, I, I do want to direct your attention back to club land, origin. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't mind that. Three games in a row. Um, in a, uh, just bang, bang, bang. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Is Mal on to something? Of course he is. Uh, let me know your thoughts. <laughs> I need to know your thoughts, Mel, on what's happening at the Titans. I know you're involved with the club still this year. I don't know what the future holds for you as next year and where that may lay. If you've got an update on that for us, please let us know. But Big Tino and David Fafita, having their contracts linked to a coach, um, very unexpected developments. And I'm tipping probably unexpected for the CEO or at least the board after making a decision to showing Justin Holbrook the door they yeah. they surely surely they didn't know and if they didn't know why not or if they did know geez that's a big gamble isn't it well you have to ask them you know to be honest with you Ben I wasn't aware of the of the contracts obviously but you know every every contract every contract in the game uh, has either got a player option clause clause or a a club option clause or a mutual option clause or a coach option clause. You look at Benny Hunt with, um, you know, with uh, the, with um, Anthony Griffin, and sometimes he's got you got game the number of games options. You know, so there's a number of mm. number of clauses in nearly everyone's contract based on um, their yeah you know, the future what they what players want to do basically. So um, I don't see it as anything different. But you know, obviously wasn't aware of it, and I, I imagine that. Um, the auditors would have seen it as well with the, with the contracts. So, I mean, I don't think it would have been any secret. But Mel, is this, is this one different? Honest. Is this one different because now the contracts or the extensions that they've signed previously are, are, are pretty much null and void, and they have to go back to the table and 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 do this again. Well, there's an. I think um, my understanding is there's a three month uh, clause in it where they can reassess yeah their future. You know, so. Mm. Um, Again, I can't really comment on it because you know I wasn't in the in the boardroom or in the executive that that um, you know obviously knew about it, so I wasn't I wasn't aware. So I mean, it's pretty hard for me to comment. But well, like I, I just go back to what I said before, mate, is that every contract that a player signs has got some some form of option in it, and um, everyone would be aware of it. You know, um, the executive would be aware of it at the clubs and. And I know that the orders is uh, the NRL would be aware of it as well. So it was all passed by. So it was all it was all approved. Do you expect them to stay? Um, yeah, I do. I do. I think they, they love it there. You know. So my conversations with the fellows is that you know they all want to stick together. Um, I think we've well, I know we've built a really strong roster. Um, I think the team's improving every game, even though we lost a lost the game by one point against the Eels on on the weekend. I just think every every week they're improving. They're becoming a bit more resilient. You know, every player wants stability at their club. You know, they want to be there for you know, long periods of time. They want to grow. They want to grow together. Um, you know, they want to they want to see success there because mm. you know they you know they've invested time effort into it as well. So you know, uh, but when you talk about stability, obviously you know players. Everyone wants to see, you know, stability in the coaching, their staff, the roster, um, you know. So, you know, they, they want stability in their home life too. So there's a whole heap of factors that, that come into play. But, you know, stability is a, is a, one of the 
foundations of a successful club. And I'm pretty sure the players would love to be all together, um, playing their best footy um, and win the Premiership. And that's, that's the goal of the Titans. Mal, it's a pleasure as always. Um, I am not going to cut you off anymore, but the timing, <laughs> it says here, right here, 10.24 on a Wednesday morning, time is up. Um, I could talk to you for hours. In fact, we'll be here, Mal Meninga, tomorrow uh, in the throwdown as well, which is going to be an extended version of The Great Man. Mal, let's do it again next week, shall we? Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it, mate. Perfect. Mal Meninga, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, as I said, 24 minutes past 10. Uh, Origin and Titans, that was on the smorgasbord today. We picked through it. Your thoughts, your ideas straight after this. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. The less we hear in that English accent, the better. 13 to 13, 55. That's the digits you need for 11 a.m. mayhem. You call, you get on the best caller of the day. We'll have that double to the Lions uh, to go watch them take on the might and power of Geelong. The reigning premier cannot wait for that. It is going to be an absolute belter this Saturday afternoon at the Gabba 4.30. Uh, look, begrudgingly, Cameron Smith has handed back the claret jug, but he is hell-bent on winning it back this week. Until a couple of days ago, the British Open defending champ, well, he hadn't seen Royal Liverpool. Does that matter? I'll tell you what does. Cam thinks that he is a better golfer than this time last year, and the man behind that success is Grant Field, Cameron's coach. Grant, g'day to you. How's he looking? How's Royal Liverpool looking? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, of course, you know, typical sort of um, link style course, you know, on the on the water here in Liverpool. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think it suits him quite well, actually. You know, we played sort of six or seven holes and then uh, we played the full 18. Um, the weather stayed away and we decided to stay out there late. We didn't finish till about sort of quarter past, half past eight. We got to see all 18, played 18 with Adam as well, which was good fun and... Um, yeah, I think the course is, is you know, something that, you know, um, suits Cam's eye. You know, we, yeah, uh, I think it'll be a good week. The technical stuff in a moment, but him and Adam playing together, how was the vibe? How was the feel? Because if uh, I'm trying to get an idea of his mindset. Was he relaxed? Were they joking? Were they talking, I don't know, state of origin, anything like that? No, look, he's in a really good space. I mean, he, um, him and Adam have a great relationship and, you know, and have done for, for quite a while now. And, um, you yeah, know, we played a practice round with Adam at the US Open as well and um, I think at the PGA maybe as well. So, um, you know, they've got a great relationship. So it was, it was good fun. And, mm. um, you know, coming off a win last start, uh, he's, he's in a good place mentally and, uh, you know, he's quite relaxed. I mean, a bit dirty. I think he had to give his British Open trophy trophy back, but, uh, you know, he's hoping that uh, he can get it back at the end of the week. All right. I was going to ask about that because I spoke to Cam uh, with his media conference last week. It was a media conference over Zoom when he, we came back into Australia and he said that was going to be the toughest part of the week, handing back the, yeah. the Clara Shark. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, become part of the family. So I think, um, you know, he's probably drunk out of it more than uh, just about anything else, you know, yeah. uh, over the last year. So, 
Uh, yeah, look, I think, you know, that just shows how much that trophy means to them. And I think, you know, the the drive to then want to win it back is um, is just as high. Didn't give it one little final farewell, did you? Uh, well, after you won the other week, we may or may not have got it out. So um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say, uh, yeah, that uh, last hurrah, so, you know. I am speaking to Grant Field. He's keeping it very close to his chest. Cameron Smith's coach heading into the British Open. All right, Grant, um, Cam said he feels he's a better golfer now than he was 12 months ago when he won the Open. That's um, terrifying for the rest of the field. But as a coach, that must be one of the greatest things you can hear. Yeah, look, and it's funny, you know, because obviously last year he had an amazing year winning sort of five times, you know, including the players, the Open and at Century and that. And, you know, this year, obviously, he won, um, you know, Live London the week week or so ago. But, uh, you know, I've said to a few people, I think his game's actually, you know, exactly what he said is a lot better. It's just this year he hasn't, you know, hadn't won as much at this stage of the year as he had last year. And I think, you know, winning sort of you need some stuff to go your way. And I think you need a couple of putts at the right time or, you know, the decent bounces, whatever it may be. And, and this year so far, he sort of hadn't had that. Whereas last week, you know, he held a couple more parts. He, he chipped in one or tw- once or twice. And, you know, at the end of the week, obviously, he got the win. But um, yeah. definitely, I think his game is getting better. I think, you know, he's moving better. I think, um, you know, he's... he's on course stuff, he's um, you know he's in a really good space mentally. So uh, I, I agree with him that his game is is better than this time last year. So whether that translates into you know the result we're after or not, well, I guess we'll wait to see. But um, there's no reason why you know he's not right in the mix again come Sunday this week. Grant on face value, I mean now he's part of the Live Tour and as opposed to the PGA Tour, he wouldn't have played as much golf though. Is that? Is that a fair assumption? Uh, he still played a fair bit. You yeah. Know, when you consider like what's he played up to date, he's had I think they've had uh, maybe nine live events. You know, this will be his fourth major, so it's at thirteen, and then a couple of other events at the start of the year. So you know, fourteen events. I mean, we're only midway through the season. That's still a a pretty decent tally. So yeah. um, no, no, not that much different to what he would normally play. Um, and I think you know, to be honest, being fresh, you know, at the level he's at. You know, and, and Tiger used to do it for years. You know, he played sort of the bare minimum. Um, you know, and, and every time they do play, they're fresh and ready to go. So I think, you know, one of the benefits in playing slightly less is that, um, you know, at the level they're at is that, yeah. you know, they're uh, they're in a good space mentally and they're not fried from playing, you know, week on week. Because I, I don't think people appreciate how difficult and how well these guys prepare um, and how much that takes out of them. So, uh, yeah, I think... It's it's more in his favour than uh, a hindrance, that's for sure. What have you worked on, Grant, with, with Cam over the last uh, well, the last we said stretch coming into this stretch coming into the last three or four months, he's really put the foot down. Yeah, look, I think um, you know for us, we've always been pretty consistent with what we've tried to do with his swing um, and and through his whole game. You know, some stuff's tidied up a little bit. I think you know he's definitely moving better. We've got. You know the club a little bit more under control. You know at times, you know his arm swing would get a little long, and club would sort of then get in behind him, and um, you know club face would get a little shut as well at times. And you know we sort of got on top of that, and I think you know he's just moving better as a whole, and you know he's driving the ball better. A couple of little things that we just sort of 
you know, tidied up there and, um, you know, but really it's just him maturing. And, you know, I've said a lot, like, you know, one of the things that for us is, you know, we, we'd sort of set the um, platform many years ago and, you know, his improvements coming from getting better at that rather than looking for something different to work on. So um, he's just getting better and more mature and, and making better decisions and every part of his game is just slightly better. Um, which then results in you know where he's at. Oh, Grant, at the I, I, I'm loving this. I, I love hearing this. I'm glad he's got his uh, mojo in the right space, and I'm glad he's got his mind in the right space. Um, one thing you can't control: weather. What's the what's yeah. the forecast? I mean, actually, is it? It's probably pointless asking for the forecast. It's the UK in in summer. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it almost it doesn't matter. You know, like this morning was supposed to be raining early and it cleared up, and then you know this afternoon was quite good, but tomorrow is supposed to be rain all day. Um, I think Thursday and Friday, you know, at the moment it's a little bit of rain early and then pretty clear most of the day. So. Look, you know, the tea times will definitely make a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, whether the wind gets up, there's some holes where it's just cross breezes and, you know, really quite small, tight fairways and quite big rough. Um, you know, they're going to be hard to hit some of those holes. And so, you know, the lie you draw and, you know, I mean, I think for Cam, if, you know, if he does um, have a couple of those and can get up around the green, it plays into his favour because of his short game. But, yeah, I think everybody's going to, you're going to see a few guys in the rough at, at times this week. And, um, you know, it just depends on what they draw. There's some holes where you sort of get the rough laying down, sort of down grain. And um, that makes a big difference to your ability to get to the ball. You know, if you get some of those holes where it's laying back at you, you know, you're just chopping it out and, and trying to get it back in the yeah. fairway. So, um, you know, there's, like anything, there's a little bit of good fortune plays um, into to favour as well. But I think as far as game-wise, you know, I think we're in a pretty good space. Um, you know, we had a had a few days off last week and, you know, I think as the week gets on, he'll, you know, just keep sort of sharpening up those tools and um, he'll be right to go come Thursday. Oh, perfect. That's what we want to hear. Grant, thank you, mate. Appreciate you staying up. Um, get some rest and uh, good luck in the preparations coming forward. But most importantly, uh, getting Cam in that zone for uh, for Thursday night our time. Grant Field, the coach of Cameron Smith here on SENQ. On Mornings with Ben Davis, it's your chance to get it off your chest. No sporting topic is off limits. It's the 11am mayhem. Ah, uh, that's right. 11 a.m. Mayhem, you called, you get on. A double to give away to the Lions and Geelong this Saturday afternoon. It is a grudge match. These two teams do not get along, and there's plenty to play for, not only for this year, but we still have the back of last year when they knocked Brisbane out of the competition in that prelim final uh, in our minds. All right, let's head to the open line. Mike is first cab off the rank out at Callumvale. Mike, very good afternoon to you. Yeah, g'day, Ben. Have I got a suggestion for you about State of Origin? All your problems are over. Oh, here we um, go. I don't know. I, I, hang on. I'll just before you go, I don't have a problem yeah. with it as it stands now. No. I, I'm I'm happy oh, okay. with the way it plays out. Uh, no, this this is a bit of a, a tinker. Okay. Um, okay, here we go. On a, yeah, have it on a Tuesday night and then have three... Uh, Magic Ground, basically a Magic Ground the following Sunday after every Tuesday State of Origin because mm. the Magic Ground is a huge success. And at those Magic Grounds, you can have uh, a, a sort of a sprint race of all the um, 
players who haven't scored tries. <laughs> Basically, a, a, a closed, a closed uh, nudie run. <laughs> and uh, the next week, uh, the SCN commentators have have a, have a sprint. Uh, during the day, and then I haven't thought of the following week, <laughs> um, and and have the betting companies maybe um, you know sponsor betting on the on those races as a fundraiser for uh, a charity or something. Hey, me not, think it amazing. Me think it amazing. Oh, thanks, Blocker. Well, there we go, Mike. You've got a fan there in, in Blocker. Remember, when you uh, do gamble, gamble responsibly, right. and you win some, you lose some. Hey, yep. uh, you you lose more. Um, Mike, just just yep. on that, just on that. Um, yep. So you're saying a magic round on yep. a Sunday. So everyone plays well, on a Sunday. The, re- yep. the rest, of the, well, the that, rest of the comp. Yeah. Well, well, that means they, they there's no whinging that oh my Origin player only got two days break if they at a Friday night game and, you know, mine gets three and mine gets four and da-da-da. So, yeah, give everybody a, roughly a four-day break. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, look, I don't mind that. It's left field. The, the, the logistics of getting every single game played on one day is going to be a bit full. I mean, you'd have to start them at lunchtime, so there's playing in the middle of the day and you'd have one starting after well, 8 o'clock on a yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't – yeah, yeah. Or maybe um, – yeah, I, you you guys are good at that. <laughs> I'm equal it out. Yeah, no, that's something you bring to table. But you know what? You know what I love. I, I love that you've yeah. reintroduced something that has slipped away over the years, and that's the sprint. That you remember on Grand Final day, yeah. they'd always all yeah. the clubs would throw up their their quickest players, and they'd have a sprint off to find out who who is the quickest in the. Comp. That is something that yeah. needs to be brought well, back, doesn't it? Well, well, every front rower thinks they've got a chip kick and they're a halfback. <laughs> so I'm sure they're just keeping a speed factor from us all. So there might be a boil over if it was a betting event. You know, yeah. somebody like Blocker of the modern age might win it. What about that? Some front Me rowers. From front rowers having All right. a, the mate, mate, Mike, well done. Thank you. You're the clubhouse leader so far. 13, 13, do, do, you, do you think Mike's onto something? Do we need to bring back the traditions like the the grand final match race? I know he was talking about those who hadn't scored a try, and I love that. That's another little quirk and another little twist. So you're going to have a whole stack there. Those players who haven't scored a try, who's going to be the quickest in that? Actually, does that record sit at the moment with Pat Carrigan? Is he he gone the longest stretch without scoring a try in the NRL? I'm going to have to do my sums on that. Maybe you know. Maybe you can help us out. Uh, 13, 13, 55, 11 a.m. mayhem off and running. We're doing it today. Uh, thanks to our great friends at Maccas. They are proud sponsors of Little Legends supporting grassroots sport here in Queensland. Um, I, I do want to – there's a few texts coming through too, which is fantastic. I want to jump on to those as well. Uh, but Ashes is um, one of the big stories of the day when it comes to the team selection. We've heard that there is no spinner, no Todd Murphy. He's been dropped. Cameron Green does come back into the side. So does Josh Hazelwood. He has replaced Scott Boland. So for the first time in 117 tests, we are not taking a frontline spinner into – a Ashes uh, into a, a test for Australia. Now, the captain, Pat Cummins, he, he spoke 
about this at today's media conference, or at least overnight in Manchester. What options do the Aussies have? Well, it brings Travis Head into the bowling equation. You know, even when he started his career with Australia, he was, he was basically the frontline spinner in ODI cricket. Bowled, you know, 10 overs quite a bit. Um, and I think he's got better and better. So, you know, when Nath's played, obviously he hasn't had to bowl much, but he still provides something a little bit different to Nath. So we have used him a little bit, but um, yeah, really confident. I think he defends himself well, uses a bit of drift, you know, as much as um, spin and he's played a lot, he's quite clever. So yeah, lots of confidence in his bowling and, you know, he's got Smithy and Marnie there that can bowl some leggies too. Well, there we go. They're the bowling options. Um, if you were listening to Patton Heels earlier this morning, you would have heard their chat with Steve Waugh, former Australian captain. He's not a big fan of, of this idea. He wants the variety there. He wants to have that up the back, or at least in the back pocket. And, and I'm with him to a point, to a degree, that, yeah, if you're just bowling line and length seam and, and it's not doing much or or the you know the ground is wet because we are expecting some weather in there and the ball doesn't start doing too much. You do want to have that variety coming at batsmen. I guess that's where your Travis Head comes in, your Steve Smith and or Marnus. Um, Marnus uh, can bowl anything, can't he? Uh, just ask him. <laughs> he loves his off spin. Uh, um, yeah, Paddy Cummins said, make sure you bowl your leg spin. Uh, but the change-up pace and off-breaks, no, leave them uh, in the shed too. 13-13-55. Have we pulled the right rein here? Not taking a spinner into Old Trafford tonight for the fourth test. A test that England need to win to keep the series alive. Uh, 1981 was the last time Australia lost at Old Trafford. Had a few draws along the way, but 1981 was when the last time we lost. So history is in our favour. We are 2-1 up at the moment in this series. The weather, not so much. Um, It's one thing that Pat Cummins will have to do, make sure that his players are up. If they keep coming off stop, start, stop, start throughout the next uh, few days, they've got to make sure that they're just not resting on their laurels to make sure that – that the weather is going to get them home because a draw and we retain the ashes. England need to win to keep the series alive. So it'd be pretty easy to step back and lean into this, wouldn't it? 13, 13, 55, 11 a.m. Mayhem open up and running. We have the double to give away to the Lions and to Geelong this Saturday afternoon at the Gabba. We're coming up to 12 minutes past 11, 21 degrees two in our fair city. Kicked off the show today talking about where the Lions and cricket will be played during the Gabba redevelopment. I have suggested the ECA, the RNA, is the place to be redeveloped. We know it's on the cards. We know it's as part of the discussion. Um, there are four stadia at this stage set up, ready to host at least the Brisbane Lions anyway. Cricket, they've got Allen Border Field, but can you host a test match at Allen Border Field? No, you can't. When it comes to having the Brisbane Heat, when it comes to having the Brisbane Lions or any team with Brisbane in their name, they need to be played in Brisbane. Springfield is an option for the Lions, according to the Lions. There needs to be work done there, spent there, upgraded to fit more people in. There is a train line out to Springfield. Drops you straight at the front door. But the problem with that line is it's one train in, one train out. They can't be on continual loops. That's my understanding of it. Now, Gold Coast... Carrara, I don't think that's going to be and should be an option. It's not in Brisbane. It's a long way to travel for members and fans, and we know that 
traveling down the M1 is not easy and getting to Carrara is not easy and you don't do it. History shows that. When big mash, big batch, big bash matches are down there, heat fans, do you travel to Carrara? Not as many as travel to the Gabba. So that narrows it down to Cusack, QE2 Stadium, Nathan or the Ecker. QSAC is there. It's ready built. It can hold, and we've seen in the past, it can hold nearly 60,000 people. I remember being at the Broncos and George match back in 90, I'm going to say 93, 92, when the lights went out because that night was huge. They played St. George, they ended up playing St. George that year in the grand final too. 59,000 were there. So we know with a bit of an upgrade, you can fit a stack of people there. But how do you get them there? That's the issue that I've seen. How do you get that many people? How do you get 20,000 to CUSAC? Public transport, the buses roll through there, but it's a shocker. There is no rail line going through, and that's where the ECA has the front running. Cross River Rail, the exhibition station is part of that, and you will have trains rolling through there continuously. They will be able to deliver thousands to the front door. Hell, they'll be able to deliver thousands into the living room if you get the ECA upgraded. And that's why I'm pushing to have the ECA upgraded to be our legacy piece from the 2032 Olympics. QE2 is the legacy piece from the Commonwealth Games in 1982. But what's been built in this city since? We've had Nissan Arena, which is netball and basketball, and we've had Pat Rafter Arena, which is tennis-centric. 3,000 and 5,000 people, respectively. Where's a multi-purpose stadium that's being built? And don't say, oh, we're redeveloping the Gabba. The Gabba was always there. It was there in 1982. Lang Park was there in 1982. Ballymore was there in 1982. Money has been spent on those to upgrade but something new, something that we don't use at this stage. Well, we use the RNA, but it's only for, what, 10 days of the year, the ECA. So that's why I think the ECA should have the money spent on it, have it as a legacy piece that will continue on for the next 40, the next 100 years. It's going to be there, multi-purpose, and you can bring it into play. It, it's going to have money spent on it anyway when it comes to the Olympics. It is slated as an Olympic venue, the equestrian is going to be held there. So there will be work done on it. I know there's heritage listing issues I have to go around, but that's where money should be spent to get the Brisbane Heat and the Brisbane Lions in a stadium that holds somewhere between fifteen and 18,000. I think that would be the sweet spot. Could you hold a test match there? I love the romantic notion of it, the fact that Donald Bradman, the Don, made his test debut at the exhibition ground in Brisbane. That is yet to be seen. But we've got to have something on the card, something on the table. I just don't know if Heritage um, Bank Stadium down the Gold Coast stacks up for a- any of that and for all those reasons. 13-13-55, that is the number to call. Mid uh, 11 a.m. mayhem. We've got tickets up for grabs. That double to Geelong and the Lions. We've got Mike as the clubhouse leader at the moment. I might have to slate him down for it right now. Um, We are going to hear from Luke Hodge on the other side of this. 16 minutes past 11. Uh, He had plenty to say about the Lions form, about the MCG, but also Charlie Cameron, who has been quiet. And not too far away, we're going to stop by Red Hill. Scotty Prince, Broncos legend, Queensland legend. Yeah, even Australian legend. That's right, play test matches. Now he is in hell. He is at the helm. He is in charge of the Broncos and their NRLW team. That kicks off this weekend. We'll see what the Prince has brought, uh, see if the Prince has brought that 
Royal Touch to Red Hill. Yeah, Habast 11, thanks for your company. SENQ, your new home of sport here in southeast Queensland. The Titans have a double header this weekend. The NRL, they take on the Roosters. And then the NRLW as the Cowboy against the Cowboys. And it's all for superhero Saturday, Titans.com.au for tickets. Uh, but closer to home, we know that the Broncos and Roosters, that is an NRLW grudge match if I've ever seen one. And a, a man who was there from the start is now back in charge of the Broncos NRLW team. Scotty Prince, not too far away. Just to get a take on their season, the build-up, what it's been. There's some new faces, there's some new old faces, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. He, he's he got some of the girls back to who were there originally, who were Broncos, who've been away, and now he's brought them back into the fold. Um, but the other big sporting event on our horizon, it starts tonight in Manchester. At Old Trafford, the SEN call team, they're limbering up, they're stretching, they're getting ready to go. This is one of the greatest Ashes series that we have seen and have heard. It's the fourth test at Old Trafford. We know that England need to win to keep the series alive. Pat Cummins has made the bold call. No spinner. We are taking in two all-rounders. England have made a bold call with their spinner too. Moen Ali, he's batting at number three. What? I know he did it in the second innings of the last test at Headingley, but Moen Alley batting at three only averages 27 in tests. He does have five test centuries to his name, which is five more than me. So I guess he could be the right man for the job. We'll find out. But part of our SEN call team, Barat Sandarason, uh, he caught up with Australian captain Pat Cummins earlier this morning. Pat Cummins, uh You've been away from uh, everything for a while. Uh, just uh, how was the break, and was it a good break? Uh, you know, where the series was in a big series like this. You know? Yeah, it was great. Um, went up and visited uh, my wife's family, so stayed with them for four or five days, a few home cooked meals. Um, yeah, didn't feel like a cricket tour, which is great. So I feel really refreshed and recharged and ready for the last two. Uh, Good home cooked meals? Like, uh, what are we talking about here? Do they have to be like diet conscious? Or, like, it was still a big Ashes series going on. <laughs> uh, I'm not very diet conscious at the best of times. Um, nah, a couple of Thai green curries. Um, it's one of my wife's specialties. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, wasn't that exciting? And like, so, I, I, have you like switched back on? Like, you know, you had a big training session today. You had a look at the pitch. Uh, just looking forward to the uh, the next test starts tomorrow. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, everyone got away, which was great, but we all came back together yesterday and um, everyone's straight into cricket mode. You know, batters are out there batting for hours. They're loving it. Um, so, yeah, we're all, you know, really excited. Two big games. Obviously, one win away from winning the series, so everyone's pretty pumped. Uh, so have you had, like, time to just reflect on Headingley uh, because the break came right after? Um, and what, you know, the little things that could have gone your way because you did run them close even though, you know, you're defending 251. I had a little bit of a think about it. Um, you know, to be honest, not, not too much. I didn't think we played our best. Um, you know, I thought they they outplayed us. So it was in some ways, um, you know, getting as close as we did was, was probably, um, you know, should take confidence out of that. Um, so now I think... We've all played enough that you know when you you know the little things you need to improve on and yeah it's good to have a freshen up and then really focus in for these last two. Uh, I mean when we got to Headingley even two days out there was live grass on the pitch it looked greenish and even once the test started this looks a little different. Not, I don't think it's as dry as Edge Bastion, but you had a closer look at it. What do you make of it? 
Yeah, it's a bit of grass, but it's yeah, not as green as Headingley. Um, I think there's been quite a bit of rain here the last week or so, so it's been under covers. But it's yeah, it looks like a good wicket. Um, yeah, again, I don't really know what to expect up here, um, but you know, just having a quick look at it, it looks like it's firm and a good wicket. Uh, Cam Green's uh, been out there batting, bowling. Uh, so he's back in the mix, I guess. Uh, Josh Hazelwood is back. Uh, a few selection questions going into tomorrow. Yeah, both those guys are available. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll um, you know sit down together tonight or tomorrow as a uh, you know coaching and kind of selections um, meeting, and you know the selectors will make the call. So uh, yeah, it's it's good to have a full platter of players available to, to choose from. Everyone's fit, and um, yeah, whoever's picked, I'm sure will do a great job. Um, there's been a lot of talk about like fitting in both all-rounders uh, as captain uh, obviously it's out of your hands but do you see that happening I mean can you see a circumstance where it does happen and say you don't play the spinner oh yeah I think all options are open um, so yeah they're, they're kind of things that you discuss um, you know I think when you get into details of you know how you'd use bowlers um, in what situations that's kind of normally helps with clarity of you know who the final um, batting or bowling lineup ends up being uh, and just finally, I mean, it's here that the, the Ashes were retained. If you win here, you win the series the first time since 2001. Uh, you say you don't have much, you're not someone who remembers test matches too fondly, but what do you remember from four years ago? And, uh, you know, just looking forward to what you could be in that position in, what, three, four days from now? Yeah, yeah. I don't really remember specific moments other than kind of the last wicket, but... Um, and I remember last series, I felt like we'd played well but didn't have a lot to show for it. We played well at Lords at times. That was drawn, played well at Headingley and obviously um, that lost that one. So I just remember getting really late in the day and feeling like it was, you know, another opportunity was slipping us by. So to, to get the final few wickets and, um, and retain, it was just really, really satisfying. Oh, it's just one fine question, a uh, footy question, of course. Yeah, you've got a uh, uh, former footy manager with you, Stuart Dew. So uh, just w- what's it been like having him around and uh, uh, what kind of chats have you had with him? Uh, I've just said g'day to him, um, so I'm sure I'll chew his ear off um, after this. But he's, uh, yeah, good to have him over here. He's, a lot of our boys absolutely love footy, so... I'll be talking non-stop to him. I'm not sure we'll get a word in. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's been around the team a few times in the past and um, knows a few of the guys really well. So good to have him over here. Beautiful. Go well, Pat. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, outstanding staff. Barat Senderason speaking to Australian cricket captain Pat Cummins ahead of tonight's fourth test, one that England need to win to keep the series alive, every ball live here on SEN. That's from 8 o'clock tonight. That's when it starts. What's the time now in Manchester? Uh, half past two in the morning. And looking at the weather, it is cloudy right now, not raining at the moment, uh, and they're not expecting it to rain. What's it, 13 degrees right now in Manchester, cloudy. It's actually quite balmy and warm. I know it's summer over there, but... Um, yeah, not expecting to rain throughout the day. It's not going to get much warmer either. 17, 18, probably 19 degrees cloudy, and the sun comes out in the afternoon. So that's how it's primed heading into that fourth test. Uh, no spinner for Australia, taking two all-rounders in. Is it a gamble? I, I don't mind this, especially against Basball, because you just don't know what you're going to uh, expect or at least what is going to happen uh, with the Poms. Uh, 11.38 this Wednesday morning. Uh, I am going to take you to Red Hill and uh, one of the one of the 
one of the legends of the game, not only for the Broncos, not only for Queensland and Australia, uh, but he has been part of the Broncos NRLW setup from the start. Now he's the man in charge, adding the royal touch, Scott Prince, on the other side of this. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. Stop me now. Don't stop me. Cause I'm having a good time. Having a good time. I'm a shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger defying the laws of gravity. Ah, uh, Slam and Sammy might be a New South Welshman and he is redeeming himself today. Yes, the theme we are going in is a Commonwealth theme. So basically songs from the UK. Uh, on the back of uh, Dan Andrews' horrific call to drop the Commonwealth Games yesterday, gave us an international black eye, but also on the fact that the British Open getting underway tomorrow. We've got a Queenslander as a defending champ and the Ashes, of course, tonight. What a time it is to be in the UK. Uh, Scott Prince standing by. We're going to get into that very shortly. But a quick World up, uh, world, world Cup update. There we go, Benny. Spit it out. Yep, the FIFA Women's World Cup has arrived here in Brisbane. Visit fifa.com slash tickets. The Matildas, they have just finished training out at QSAC and they're about to board a plane and head to Sydney. They open their account tomorrow against Ireland. It is the World Cup opener, a sellout at Stadium Australia. Ireland have never played in the World Cup before. They're a physical team, so Australia know they will be in a game. There are a few injury doubts around the Aussies. The, the biggest is Tamika Yallop. Uh, we know that she got injured in that friendly against France uh, on Friday night. She hasn't trained at all this week, but uh, Alyssa Smith, my colleague at Channel 7, who's been out at the Matildas today, has said that Mati- uh, the Tamika has warmed up with the group and then she trained away from them. So, And then it was cameras down, everyone get outside, we're going to do the rest behind closed doors. Did she have a run? I, I can't imagine them. I can't imagine them playing her considering she's had the week off. Uh, She is still suffering an knee injury and the Irish are physical. So they know they will be in a game. And you'd think if anyone was walking in with an injury, uh, watch the Irish target that. FIFA Women's World Cup. It's arrived. It is the biggest sporting event that we have hosted here in this country since the 2000 Olympic Games. Visit FIFA dot com slash tickets. All right, let's continue the women's sport uh, conversation, and it's where I want to bring in our next man. We know him as a Broncos legend, a Queensland legend, oh, and we've got to throw in the green and gold there as well. He's been part of the Broncos NRLW setup uh, from the start. Now he is in charge. The Prince is back at the helm. He's got the throne, and he's got some new players uh, in his side to take on the Roosters uh, this weekend up at the Sunshine Coast Stadium. Princey, very good morning to you, mate. Thanks for your time. Good morning, Brandy. Thanks for having me. You must be like a kid before Christmas. Head coach, <laughs> you've recruited, you've done your pre-season, you're ready to roll. Yeah, mate, it's been quite the journey. Um, you know, after uh, giving the reins, uh, I guess around World Cup time, I think it was with the with the women. So, you know, got the got the all clear, got the green light to to be head coach, and very uh, very excited about um, you know the prospect and about the role uh, in particular. You know, just uh, I guess my love for the game uh, in in women's sport, but also the women's 
program and the rugby league here at the Broncos. It's, it's about um, you know getting the Broncos back to where they should be and um, you know having a real good team around me as well uh, with some real senior players in the nucleus of the Bronx over the last few years, or ever since we started. And speak of the girls of Ali Brigginshaw, Julia Robinson, um, uh, Ch- Chelsea Lenarduzzi is one of the OGs as well. And uh, just having those, working with the staff that we've got, um, it's been quite the journey, but very excited, very nervous, but you know, more so excited about the upcoming season. We kick it off uh, this Saturday against the Roosters. Well, Scott, that's the thing. And I guess the Broncos, from an outsider looking in, they've paid the price of success. They, what, they won the first three titles. They were mm. untouchable. But then everyone started tapping on the shoulder of players and poaching them and basically building teams around them. So I believe that Brisbane have been a victim of their own success. But now you've brought some um, some girls back who had moved away and are now back uh, playing in Brisbane. What's been that recruiting process like? Because not only the familiar names, but you've brought in some new ones too. Mm. I... I from what I read, there's there's a bit of there's a bit of mongrel in this pack. Is that is that is that a fair way to yeah. describe it? Oh, a bit of mongrel, but I think more so a bit of hunger. And uh, you know, everyone's got their own little journey as far as you know what they want to achieve in terms of their personal goals. You know, whether it's to prove people wrong or prove a point, or you know they want to go to further um, honours as far as representation. But you know, as we know collectively as a team, you know, we we went out trying to recruit hard workers, um, girls who have high standards, not only on themselves personally, but, you know, expect of the team and and, the, and this club. And that's been a real cornerstone as far as recruitment's uh, being concerned. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, over the last sort of, I guess, 12 months, um, you know, the, the Bronx women's program, where the standards are set as far as being involved in semifinals, that's that's what we're trying to achieve. And we're trying to mm. play play finals and, and, you know, we're trying to win win this competition. So... Um, you know, there was there was a a bit of a uh, a few targets that we wanted to, to target in terms of recruitment, and one of those that that really springs to mind is young Destiny Brill. Um, I coached her in the in the Valley of Diehards here locally in 2021, and to see her, you know, move away from Brisbane to play in RLW football was was a bit disheartening from the outside looking in. And you know, once given the the, the reins and and working alongside uh, Paul Dyer, who oversees our NRLW program here at the Bronx. Um, she was certainly one uh, one of our priorities was to go out and source. So very happy to get her back in Brisbane. You know, I know her family's really happy and she's very excited to, to get that opportunity to wear the Broncos jersey uh, this season. Princey, tell us about your rookie centre. She lit up the World Cup last year. Is, is it Melly? Is that how you yeah. pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Malay Hufunga. Um, she's she's uh, one of those ones where I think she hit the scene, as you mentioned, in the World Cup for, for the New Zealand team and, Certainly hit the ground running and uh, you know, put her put her name in, in lights over there and she yeah. performed quite well uh, in regards to the World Cup and uh, she played against you know the best team in, in in the world and that's against Australia and certainly held her own and um, yeah she was certainly one that excited us you know in terms of the recruitment phase and I'm sure a lot of clubs out there you know had that same thought process but you know it was really important for us uh, was to to meet all the players and get to know them and, and know their journey, you know, know what they, I guess, what they want to achieve, you know, both, uh, you know, short-term, long-term, as far as their development as a player, but also as a person. And, yeah, we we fell in love with her the first day we met her. And we understood that, you know, she's quite the talent on the field, but it's really important to know the person. And, and, and that's something that we, uh, we pride ourselves on as well with the recruitment phase. And we were very happy that she chose the Broncos to... Uh, to, I guess, progress her career in, in rugby league. And um, we've been working very hard with her. She's, she's come a long way since uh, 
touching down um, here in Brisbane since, since since the days in Auckland, and yeah, she's hit the ground running, and uh, she she's just one of those working progress as well. So, you know, it's really important to challenge her, but also you know give her the feedback and and make her a, a, a better player and a better person here at the Broncos. Well, made the World Cup four tries in five games, thirty-two tackle mm. busts, five line breaks, averaging one hundred <laughs> and forty-six metres, and she's still yet to play NRLW. So you've got a fair talent to work yeah. with, and you've got a fair test first up, the Roosters. Wow, you'll get to know exactly where you are Saturday night. Yeah, and that's it. That's it. It's very excited about it. Like you, you know, you want to play against the best, and the Roosters have certainly got a, a roster there that will, you know, rock any competition or you know, and stand up against any any opposition on on their on their day. So for us we know what we'll face with. Um, you know, they've got a, a well credentialed team. They've got a few Aussie Aussie players in there along with Amber Hall. Obviously she's a Kiwi international and plays some strong minutes and, and a very strong runner of the footy. But ultimately for us, you know, with our standards and, and what we want to achieve in terms of our personal and team goals, um, the focus is really on us. And I know that if we can uh, prepare well and, and hit those marks in, in terms of where we want to be as far as our team goals are concerned, you know, that's, that's, that's been our focus and that will be our focus against the Roosters. You know, we'll, we'll focus on a bit of their, uh, their strengths, but ultimately for us, you know, we, we can't stop that. All we can do is limit their opportunity and, uh, and it starts with us first. So that, that'll be the focus in, in, in this game. Mate, outstanding stuff. I love always talking to you. You're saying the right things. You're giving us a lot of belief, mate, and the Broncos fans will be uh, watching with interest Saturday night. Light them up against the Roosters at Sunny Coast Stadium, mate. Thanks, Benny. I can't bloody wait, mate. (laughs) Scott Prince, uh, the Broncos head coach of the NRLW. We'll keep track of their season. It's only starting now, starting late. It's the biggest season on record for the NRLW, a 10-team comp now too. So it's going to be be, um, an interesting interesting rebuild for Brisbane to get them back into finals contention. What are we? 11.53 this Wednesday morning. Outstanding stuff. Back with more in a tick. Get involved anytime. Text 0467 736 736 or call 13 13 55. This is Mornings with Ben Davis. We'll leave that as a shout-out to Dan Andrews and the Victorian Government. They could have had it all, the Commonwealth Games. All they needed to do was switch it from regional Victoria to Melbourne, and I would have thought that the costs would have come right back in because the majority infrastructure uh, was there. An international embarrassment? Yes. A black eye for us? Yes. Will we recover? It will take a while, but you know what? It does well and truly hand the mantle over to Brisbane as the sporting capital of this country. I think if your company over the last three hours has been outstanding stuff, uh, we are going to hand it over to, oh, Cameron Smith, Dan Camp. How good is this? The captain's run. Outstanding here on Queensland's new home of sport, SENQ. If you missed anything, download the app, the podcast. You'll find it all there. I'll catch you next week, Tuesday from 9.